Welcome to Wisdom with Trish. I'm Trish. I'm your host. I'm a mom to six kids. I've been married to my sweetheart for 28 years. And I'm a life coach. But most of all, and why we're all here, is I spent 30 years chronic dieting. Yep. Most of my life, I've spent trying to be in a smaller body. And this podcast is about my journey to turning to God and trusting Him to not diet anymore. I found a path of health and a path of loving the space I take up in the world. And I'm here now to help other women do the same. So I'm so glad you're going to join me on the journey. All right, here we go. Hello. Hello, friends. I am super excited to jump on today and to chat with all of you. I hope you're doing well. Our family's doing really well, anticipating school starting, and it's going to start online, and then eventually, after a few weeks, people will have a choice to either actually go to school or go to school online. And we'll see. I keep thinking that we're probably not going to have an option to go to the actual school. They're going to not do that, but we'll see. We're having an open mind and our family's decided that whatever happens, we're going to make the best of it because it's so out of our control. And that's probably what you've come up with too. So today I actually want to talk about one of my favorite subjects. When I first started the podcast, I thought, oh, I really want to talk about other things sometimes and not just... Um, you know, I don't want to just talk about diet culture and taking care of ourselves, although that is my favorite topic, but I also wanted to talk about other things. And I've done a little bit of that. I had my sister on and we talked about your children's love languages. Well, today I just want to talk about teenagers. I love teenagers and I want you to love teenagers when we get off of the podcast today. And we'll get to that way. I think that you can go from maybe not being a big fan of your teenager right now to when we get off the, when you get off the podcast that you feel like, oh, I have some more control over this than I thought I did. But we'll see. We'll see where this goes today. I just know that I have raised mostly, like, I have six kids. Five of them have been a teenager or are teenagers right now. So I've raised some teenagers. And I've learned some things over the years, and I've learned things from other moms that have really worked in my favor. And I thought I would share those things today. I have about five things I want to cover, and I'm excited about it because I do love teenagers. I feel like teenage being a teenager, um, you know how we have phases, like you have your, you know, your newborn phase, and you're not getting any sleep, and you know, oh, but this phase will end, and then when it ends, you go into the twos, and there's challenges in the twos, and I always thought the threes were the hard for me because all of a sudden my little person, my little baby talks and can talk back. And I'm like, Oh wait, the setup was you just do whatever I say. And I, you know, figured out really quick. That's not the, how it works. And then, you know, and then I, my seven year olds would follow me around and talk to me constantly. And I would have to remind myself, Oh, this is really wonderful. Pay attention to them. <laughs> you know, and then you go into the preteens and then, you know what I mean? So you have these seasons. Well, the teenager phase is the longest phase. It's the longest phase that you do. 
So I just really think that it's the phase we got to embrace and we got to love them and we got to, and I just do love them. I got to teach, um, for two years, I got to teach teenagers in seminary. And if you're not a member of our faith, seminary is an before school in, in our area, it's before school. They get up at five 30 and they come and they, and you teach them. It's like a Bible class and they learn the scriptures. And I got to do that for two years. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that because I love teenagers. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about teenagers. All right. The first thing I learned is I learned that you can bank time with your teenager. You can like earn credit with your teenager in their preteen years. So mamas that are listening, if you have preteens, this is, and you want to have a really strong relationship with your teenagers later, it's the preteen time that you bank your time and you start what you do in their preteen years is crucial. Now, preteens, I find, are super easy. And whenever something is super easy in my house, they tend to get ignored, <laughs> right? And so you don't want to not be paying attention to those preteens. I would say nine to a, nine to 12 year olds. You wanna be part of their lives. And how does, what does that look like? How do you bank time with them? Like how do you start spending time with them that is gonna give you credit as their teenagers? I find if I care about things they care about, and I don't have to care, care about it. It's not like I have to, um, you know, my kids right now love Xbox. It doesn't mean I have to play Xbox, but it matters to them. If I, if they care about it, then it needs to matter to me. And that can be lots of things. Like my kids really love water park. So I make sure we go to the water park. My kids love to play games. We play games as a family. Right now, Sam loves to play games. He's my child that's my youngest who just turned 11. So playing games with him now, I know banks me time when he's a teenager because he's probably not going to maybe want to play the cards when he's a teenager. But I've earned some mama points later. And I don't know why it works that way, but it does. It totally works that way. And so what you want to do is tap into those preteens and you know I think it's easy to say oh well you care about that but I don't and I'm sorry that you want that but I don't I think that that those are the years that when you you know if they love a certain book series you just make sure that you're talking to them about that book series and oh is the new one coming out oh let's make sure we get that you know and it's not a matter of spoiling them it's just a matter of being aware of their interests and you know that's how you build this little relationship with them is that's what I found I could talk to them about right so I want to give you an example um my little Sam so I have Ben and Sam and they're my youngest boys they're my only boys so I had four girls and then we have two boys and they came last and Ben and Sam, when they were around 9 and 11, they decided that they they just didn't love their Wii anymore. They wanted a Nintendo Switch. And Nintendo Switches were a lot, you know, more money than what they had with their two 
to if they both combine their birthday money. So they came to me and they're like, mom, we really want a Nintendo Switch. And I said, well, let's start figuring out how we do that. So we decided we would round up all of the, anything we've ever had in the house that maybe GameStop would buy. And it wasn't a lot, but it was just enough. And it, some stuff was really old. So we took everything into GameStop. We gathered everything up in the house, all of our old Wii stuff. Um, there, they had little, they're not Game Boys, but you know, little handheld devices. We took those in. So we just took everything in and, and they were able to come up with enough money with that. So with their birthday money and then with what we took to GameStop, they were so close. They didn't have enough money for taxes and they didn't have enough money for a game to buy. So they would have the switch, but they wouldn't have any game and they couldn't pay the taxes. So when I was there, I just said, Hey guys, your dad and I, we really, we want to make this happen. So you guys have been, you know, you've pulled so much money together. We're going to go ahead and pay your taxes and buy one game. And so we did that. And this is, so this is kind of, you know, long story, but I have to set it up for what comes later. So they have the switch and then they figure out when they have the switch that only one of them can play at a time. And so they came to me maybe a year later, they, they had it for a year and they said, mom, you know, we would each like to have our own device. And Ben's telling me, I really want to have an Xbox. So he, um, and I'm like, okay, well, and he comes up with a plan. He's like with my Christmas money. And, um, he says, I have this game that we don't play anymore. If you could turn in this game, plus my birthday money, I think it would be enough for an Xbox. And so he says, and I can get that for Christmas. And of course I told him no way. Cause I wanted to surprise him for Christmas. So we got him his Xbox. So they each have a device, right? And then I pretty much feel like they had to figure out how to get and so then COVID happens and my nephew that runs our restaurant was over for dinner and he tells Sam, Sam, you know that that Nintendo Switch, because now Sam's playing the Nintendo Switch, Ben plays the Xbox. Hang in with me. There is a purpose to this. <laughs> so he says, Sam, you know, you could sell that Switch right now. The China plant is closed for, um, because of COVID, the China, um, Nintendo plant and people can't get switches. And he said, you could sell your switch for $400. And Sam's like, really? Cause we only paid $200 for it. And so he says, yeah, you could totally, um, sell it for that. And so Sam talks to his dad and Sam says, mom, I think I'd like to sell this because I would really like an Xbox too. Well, this is all sounding so annoying to me. I'm like, oh, you want me to sell your switch and get an Xbox. This just, it just sounds ridiculous to me, right? Like, I don't care about that. I'm like, you have a device, but of course they're telling me mom that, you know, do, playing on an Xbox is so much more clear and awesome than on the switch. And he would like to have it. It's, you know, he, they're telling me all the things of why it's important. So finally I just said, okay, I will post it and we'll just see what happens. Cause I wasn't really convinced they could get $400 for it. So I post it. Sure enough, within three minutes, I have people lined up. I have, a, I have someone to buy it and 12 people waiting to see if it falls through. So we sell that and we get him his Xbox. And um, the Xbox is more, of course, than what we paid for his brothers, but that's okay. He had plenty of money to cover it and he was so excited about it. 
Well, right after that, it was like Mother's Day. And the family was going around and telling me, you know, dad had said, hey, let's go around and tell everyone, say what they love about mom. So when they get to Sam, and of course I love this because my love language is words of affirmation. (laughs) So they go around the circle and when it gets to Sam, Sam says, and my Sam is a boy of not very many words. He's more quiet. When he, when he speaks, we listen because he doesn't have a lot to say. So when he, when it comes to him, he says, mom, I love mom because mom cares about what I care about. (gasps) Oh, that just made all that Xbox business completely worth it. Right. For me to care about what he cares about and he knew it. And I had not used those words with him. I had not said, Oh Sam, I like to care about what you care about. No, he just, he, he knew, he felt that. And what am I doing? Me, I'm building that relationship because that is going to pay off for me when he's a teenager. I'm banking time. I'm banking points. I'm banking credit. So just keep that in mind with those younger kids. Tap into what they like. Spend some time, spend time with them. Anytime I take my, those younger kids to a movie or that they really care about or um, anything, you know, I just know that I'm, it's going to pay off. I'm going to get banked on. It's going to matter later. My daughter, Hannah, we would spend time at, she just loved, she would be my buddy and we both love amusement parks. So we'd go to the amusement park. We had passes and I even, she didn't have a phone at the time. I I got her a phone because she wanted to be able to, I needed her to be able to run to the bathroom and come back and do some things. And I just knew if she had a phone, she could navigate herself because, you know, or she'd take her brothers to the bathroom or, you know what I mean? Like we just, I needed her to have a phone. So between facilitating getting her a phone younger than her sisters got, you know, when they got their phone and then going to the it's you know six flags together and it being kind of our thing that banked me time for when she was a teenager I get lots of credit for that so bank your time with those young ones all right the second thing I want to talk about is I think it's really important to really like look outside of your brain like so you're looking at yourself and think, looking at your thoughts about your teenager. I think it's really important to have a strong, positive narrative about your teenager. And what does that mean? If you're in a circle of friends and you're, whatever you're saying about your teenager is your narrative. So it should just be super positive. Even if that teenager is not doing super positive things. Your narrative and your thoughts about your teenager need to be super positive. Um, maybe you have a teenager that um, is really quiet and reserved and doesn't ever want to talk to you and it stays in their room all the time. <laughs> you know, you got to find what's positive about that. Why is that okay? Like you've just, because if that completely annoys you and you want to like go rip them out of their room all the time and say spend time with the family, they know that. Whatever your narrative is, they know the narrative. And you're like, there's no way. My kid doesn't know everything I think. That's not true. Because think of your friend circle. If you have a friend that 
find you a little bit annoying, you know it. If you, even as someone that's not your friend, but an acquaintance and you think, oh, they just don't really like me. You know, we are human beings that know. Your teenagers are not, it's not like they don't have that. They have that. They have the ability to know. And your narrative should be so positive. You should be able to talk about your teenager. I learned this from a really awesome church leader. You should be talking about your teenager in the kitchen with somebody and let someone else walk, let that teenager walk in and hear it. Like they should just think my parents think the world of me. That's, that's powerful. That's super powerful. Um, because what happens if you just run a negative narrative all the time? This is the truth with all your relationships. Whatever your relationship, whatever relationship you're in, whether that's with your husband or your children or a friend, your relationship is all about the thoughts you have about that person. And so if your relationship right now with your husband is really rocky, you should probably work on your thoughts about what you think about your husband. (laughs) Because your brain just believes it. And so I love to have really positive narratives about my teenagers. And if I'm not, I like to change it. I like to challenge it and think, okay, what can I be excited about them right now? So if I have someone who's arguing with me all the time for a teen, you know, and I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, we're just arguing all the time. It's much better for me to think things like, do you know what? That teenager is very 16 right now and they're not always going to be 16 and they're not always going to argue with me. So it's there. This is okay. This is okay. I almost like to separate the behavior from the person because if I do that and I make it about them just having a frontal lobe that's still growing, then I don't have to um, make it about them. It's just about the behavior. And I don't focus on the behavior. I focus on them. And if I can think about all the things that I love about them, and, that, and I keep that running in my head and not the frustrating things that are happening. I get to show up in love with love for them every time they're around me. And so I have just found that really helpful because I do know, because what happens at my house is 16, they argue with me and then something happens at their junior and senior year. They, they have the switch and um, they really kind of figure out who they are and then they're super enjoyable to be around and I find they're enjoyable when they're you know even as freshmen and sophomores I just know that there's there's some things they're figuring out and then my juniors and seniors they just become really enjoyable to be around and they're not around that much because they become drivers and they're busy and they work and then they're gone my kids leave me and they go to college and so I remind myself through all of that time from, you know, if there's some hard stuff, I remind myself, Hey, they're not here very long. Is this thing that I'm deciding matters? Does it really matter? Because it just gets in the way of me having loving feelings towards this child because they're going to leave. So challenge your narrative and have that narrative be really positive because I have really awesome teenagers. I have awesome teenagers who make awesome choices but 
and you're th- and you just believed me when I said that. But what if I don't? <laughs> That's just my narrative. I get to tell myself whatever I want to about my my teenagers, and I get to believe it. So you just have to decide how you are going to feel about your teenager. You just decide. And part of that is, um, I'm going to skip down. I was going to have it be number five, but we'll talk about it now. I want to say that if you, I don't know who said it, but when they said you can't be your kid's friend, I want to like find that person who said that and like punch him in the face. (laughs) I don't even punch people in the face, but it makes me so, I do not like that that term that parents love to throw around. You need to be the parent, not the friend. What? Since when? Why can't you be your kid's friend? Now, don't be a dysfunctional friend that, you know, you, I'm sure you have a friend that you're dysfunctional with and you can't say no to, and you don't have boundaries with that. You know, don't be that friend, but since when can't we be our kid's friend? We can absolutely be our kid's friend. Now, I I don't want to be my kid's friend that's like hanging out with their group of friends. They don't want that either. But I absolutely want my kids coming to my house, bringing their group of friends, me knowing their friends' names, welcoming them, their friends knowing that I adore them. I want all of that. I am going to be friendly with their friends. Their friends are going to matter to me. You see that? And I even choose to completely, um, I let the friends know how much I love them. And that becomes like kind of a trust. Like they know that they're going to do the right things with my kid because there's this trust, right? And so I, you know, it's, you're building this foundation with your kids that what, matters to them, matters to you. And that's what friendship is. Something that my parents were really good at. I'm not as good, but we do it at other times. But my parents always said, you know, you guys were the most talkative when you'd come home from your friends at night. So we would stay up and talk to you and they would probably talk to us for a whole nother hour and then we'd all go to bed. They are great at that. My kids, I'm a horrible mom about figuring, like staying up at night. I'm just bad at it. And I used to feel bad about that, but I don't anymore. I'm just like, my kids know we have a, we have different systems. And then the next day we wake up and we talk about it. And if you come into my house, you will see that I have in my family room, in my main living area, right by my kitchen, where we hang out most of the time, there's three big couches, three beautiful, big blue couches. Cause I love blue. And when I was buying all these couches, my friends were like, three couches, Trish. Wow, you can have three couches. I'm like, yes, because I want to have an area where everybody has a place to sit and we enjoy each other and people's friends can be over. We can have another family over. Everybody has a place. So we do. We have this room with three couches and there's no television in that room. And that was on purpose. That is a room where we all go and we all enjoy each other's company. And we are friends. We are friends and we want to hear about each other's lives. And we still do that even with my kids that have left the house. We all end up in that room and we all end up on FaceTime and we're all talking to each other. And it's wonderful. So you've got to create a culture in your home where your kids want to talk to you. 
And part of that is because you can be their friend. It's okay to be their friend. And so how do you do that? And the way that it works for my husband and I, we, and you're going to cringe when I say this, but we just stopped having rules. And that's number three. We just gave up the whole idea of you got to follow the rules and you got to do it this and like have all the rules listed. And these are the consequences that was just exhausting for us. It was exhausting for us to remember the rule and then to remember, oh, you broke the rule. Oh, and then to, oh, and remember, oh yeah, now I got to make sure that you're like, I've never grounded a child. It's just too much work for me. It's just not worth it. <laughs> like we might as well both be grounded. This is awful. Like it just pits us against our kids. We just don't like it. So what do we do instead? You're thinking, oh my goodness, you're just, your house is probably, they're being run amok, you know? <laughs> it's not it's the case. It's just not the case. What works for us is we just set expectations. And when expectations aren't met, or, you know, or kids are, like I, like if we're having a problem with a kid, like I'm getting called from a teacher or something, my husband and I, we even use that. We even say this to them. We're like, oh my goodness, you're going to make us parent. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to be the parents <laughs> and we don't like it. And we let them know, you know, if you're going to make us parent hard, it's going to be painful for us. And we're going to make it painful for you. So figure this out, take care of it. And it's interesting. Our, my, our kids don't really want us to parent like that. They don't want us to be like giving, um, lots of um, consequences and all this. They just, they, they don't want that either. So they usually knock it off pretty quick. You know, they just, um, and my, my kids would tell you, like if people ask, well, what are your rules? Like they cannot really list them, but they know that what the culture of our home is and they know what's expected and they just do it. And they do it because we make life easy for them. There's a lot of trust. When they're doing what they're supposed to, they know, you know, mom and dad give me the freedom I want when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I get to have my phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just make it so enjoyable for them to be living up to their expectations and not about all the things I'm going to do if I'm going, if they're going to make bad decisions. It's just, it just doesn't, for us, it just hasn't worked. So think about that. Think if, is having all those rules in your house, is that serving you? as a parent and it's, does it serve in your relationship with your kids? And I, I would imagine it's not, but it might work for you. I just, it takes all the joy out of parenting for me. And so if I can just be part of my kids' lives, I get to ask my kids to do things. It's not a free for all over here. Like just yesterday, before I left the house, I had, we have little whiteboards and every kid has a whiteboard on the fridge. And I wrote out their list for the day and I just said, hey, I really like this done before I get home. And when I got home, a couple things weren't done. And I guess I could have been like all like, oh, give me your Xbox for the day. I could have made it all like kinds of horrible. But I just had them come downstairs, said, hey, this is disappointing to me. If this was supposed to be done and they feel bad, like they don't want to disappoint me. So they just, okay, mom. And they just quickly get it done. So it's just what culture are you creating in your home? And, you know, challenge that for sure. And one thing about being your kid's friend is don't make it about them being in a perfect space for you to want to be lovable to them. These teenagers are 
not done growing. And so you've just got to decide, I am done growing. And my frontal lobe is completely grown. And I want to be able to um, just love them. And they might not be being very lovable, but it doesn't matter. I still can love them. Does that make sense? You, that's you being the adult is to say, I show up the same way and it's not based on your actions. It's based on what kind of parent am I? And yeah, you're not going to be perfect. I raised my boys. I don't even feel bad about it when that happens. But my kids know that I show up in love most of the time and that, and that they're part of my life and I care about their opinions. That's part of when they're your friend. Like I get feedback from them about things. Their opinions matter to me and they know it. And so, you know, it's, it's building these relationships. And then the real magic happens when they leave your house and they become young adults. And then they truly are just your friends because you don't parent that way anymore. So that's the goal, right? But you, let's enjoy them. You know, it's the longest phase. Let's enjoy them while we have them. All right. I'm trying to think. I might have covered everything. So maybe I didn't have five after all. I think that's four things. So bank time with them. Change your narrative. Give up rules. And you can be their friend. And one thing that <clears throat> maybe this can be the fifth thing is um, there was a mom who blogged. She had a bunch of kids, like way more kids than I have. And she kind of, she did this blog about all the things she's learned over the years. And I wish I could find that again. And I just can't because she had some things that were so good on it. But one of the things that was so powerful was she said, sometimes you've got to think of your teenager like a toddler. She says, when they become teenagers, sometimes we think that they're more prickly, right? And we stop hugging them and loving on them and being in their space. And she said, you can't, you've got to think of him like a toddler. How would you, when this child is struggling, what would you do with a toddler? Well, you'd pick him up and put him on your lap and hold him and make him feel better, right? You got to do that for your teenager. However that looks for you. Sit next to him, put your arm around him, love him. Even when they seem prickly and they don't want it. They want it. They want physical touch from their mom and dad. And so... You've got, to, you've got to picture them as the little toddler. And that was powerful for me because I don't know why. I'm not a super huggy mom. I grew up in a huggy house, but for some reason, I just tend to not be that so much. So I have to remind myself, oh, I haven't touched them. Like, come here. I got to give you a hug. And so thinking of them like a toddler, what would I respond to a toddler? How I would respond to a little person. You got to do that same thing for your teenager. So, all right. That's my soapbox on teenagers. <laughs> that's probably how that sounded, isn't it? <gasps> but that's okay. If you want to be on your soapbox, you should just start your podcast, a podcast, and then you can do that. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth it to figure it out. I adore my teenagers, and I do, I do not wish it away one bit. And that's what I want for you. Just enjoy them and make them part of your life. And be careful about making self-fulfilling prophecies because your kids really know what they, what you think about them. They know. And so if you can 
change your thoughts about your teenager, it's going to be super powerful. And that can be the work for today. If you want to go work on something, let's start digging into our thoughts about how we, what we think about our teenagers. So, all right. I think that's it. So something my dad would always say that I would love to share with you right before we leave, and maybe it's something you can start saying to your teenagers. He said it even once I was married and out of the house, if I was ever around him, he would say it to me. He would say, Trish, has anyone told you they love you today? And I would say, no. <laughs> and he'd say, well, let me be the first. I love you. So I want to say that to all of you today. Has anyone told you they love you today? No, they haven't? Well, I love you. And I'm so grateful that you come in and listen and choose to be my friend. Because even though we probably have never met, some of you I have, some of my friends listen. But if I've never met you, it doesn't even matter because I'm in your thoughts. <laughs> and so we are friends. I am friends with him on my podcast that I listen to. So I know it. So I'm just letting you know, if no one's told you they love you today, I love you. So have a great day. Have a great day. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. A few things before you go. If you have found that you need help on your journey of taking amazing care of yourself and loving the space you take up in the world. Please, I would love for you to come join us in my monthly membership coaching program called Breathe. Breathe is a place where like-minded women come together and help one another. I help you by coaching you, and then I record that, and then other women will watch while you are helped and then you watch other women when they're helped and it's this community where women are helping women and it's so beautiful there's a lot of other perks when you're a breathe member so you receive coaching you get to watch other women be coached and then you also get to have access to any course that I provide so right now there's two courses in the membership one is how to eat plant-based in 30 days without dieting. So if you're at the very beginning of your journey, that will help you so much. Now, if you're a little bit further along in your journey, you will probably love my course that is on self-care. And it's a self-care course that you take over six weeks. And it's a way for you to come home to yourself and start figuring out what does love feel like for you? And this is a course that I usually offer just to a group coaching program, but now it's also offered in Breathe. Something else you'll have is you'll have this community of support. There'll be a private Facebook group that you can check in with. And remember, you're gonna be seeing these other women be coached. So you will get to be honestly their best friends. It will be a wonderful community. And you know, sometimes when we eat plant-based and we try to leave diet culture, it's a little bit lonely. So that will be a wonderful support for you. The last thing, I provide weekly meal plans. I'm trying to think of everything I can to make this process of you loving you and you loving the space you take up in the world and you taking amazing care of yourself to have all the tools for that. And one tool to simplify your life is a weekly meal plan with a grocery list.
And that will also be available in Breathe. And all of that will be available on an easy app so that you can access it on your phone and you can, um, it can be very user-friendly for you. So come join me in Breathe. You remember, nothing in your life has to change for everything to change. And that's the work we do in Breathe. Have you come up for air? Have you needed help to keep breathing? I got you. Come join us and breathe. Have you downloaded my free commitment planner? Okay, if you haven't, you totally need to. It's such an easy way for you to make and keep commitments to yourself and honor those commitments. Go to my Instagram account and in the links in bio, there is an option there to download that for free. Totally go get that. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. If you're feeling like you're missing episodes, it's probably because you're not subscribed. So whatever, wherever you listen, you just subscribe and then they will make sure that you don't miss an episode. Also, are you part of my free Facebook group? If you're not, you should be. Come on over, share recipes with us. And it's just a really diet culture free place to um, enjoy being online. And last of all, have you left me a review? Reviews is, are really important because that's how other people find the podcast is through a review. So how, wherever you listen, go ahead and leave me a review there so other people can get the help that they need through the podcast. All right, y'all are the best. Have the best day. See you next time.